everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Two Nerdy Birds with Ren and Jade. I'm Jade and I'm super excited to be joined with my fabulous co-host again, Ren. Hello, Ren. Hello. I'm having such a weird deja vu right now. Oh, now you can't hear me? Something's happened and I can't hear you now. Oh, my God. I heard you right before I introduced you. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is happening? Did you knock something? I didn't. Nope. It's a... Oh, you know what? That's on me. I knocked my own headphones (laughs) (laughs) while I was putting up my hair tie. So, um, as you guys can tell, it's been a while. Uh, We prepped for this. When, uh, uh, for our last episode that we released uh, in August and, and we said, hey, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're, um, you know, we got some projects going on at work and, and Ren starting a new school year teaching um, at a new place that we were like, all right, we got to take a little bit of time off. And it ended up being a little bit extra time. And as a result, I don't know how anything works. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what what's going on now. <laughs> so thanks for your patience, yeah, yeah. Ren. No Fortunately, problem. I think we've got I think we've got the episode content actually well covered because oh, yeah. while we were away, uh, we had a very exciting thing happen, and um, and it is called season two of Our Flag Means Death, and. This is a show that we've covered previously in the podcast um, and definitely recommend that you go back and check it out. If, you, if you've if you never seen the show before and you kind of wonder what's going on about it, because uh, we're, def- we're going to cover quite a bit of the show in this episode. Um, but Our Flag Means Death is a pirate fantasy on HBO Max uh, that is... Features Reese Darby, who you may know from other projects of um, uh, The Flight of the Concords and What We Do in the Shadows, Mm -hmm. as well as Taika Waititi, executive producing this. And Taika also plays a very special role in this. And when we say pirate fantasy, we definitely mean the fantasy part much more strongly than the pirate part, because while they borrow very heavily uh, right. Mostly just the names of famous <laughs> pirates of history and not so much their deeds. Uh, we, right. have, we meet many pirates uh, like Steed Bonnet, Blackbeard, Anne Bonny, uh, Captain Hornigold, Izzy Hands. And many, yeah, Izzy yep. Hands, many others mm-hmm. that you know if you're if you're super into pirate lore, that all the names are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calico Jack, even yep. uh, from season one. However, their deeds are very different <laughs> in this show. And and it's one that, that Ren and I kind of took to pretty quickly when season one came out. It came out very quietly last year, little to no fanfare, and just uh, very quietly but very quickly took the took the media world by storm. Um, mm. Got picked up, cover, covered by a lot of uh, television, video, blogs, and was all over social media for how innovative its portrayal is of a number of themes in the story and very sensitive 
characters as well. Mm-hmm. So when C- season two came out this year, it was a big surprise because we didn't know until about a month after season one ended that there was even going to be a season two. And then, of course, with the Writers Guild and Screen Actors Guild strike, it was really called into question of when it was coming out. And uh, just in time for Ren and I to <laughs> be able to, you know, take a mental break and get away from from work a little bit, uh, season two came out and we have finished watching it. I have watched it at least once. I figure Ren's watched it at least seven times by now. So. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um. But yeah, did we do did we do our shout out to uh, David Jenkins? We did not. Oh goodness gracious! Uh, yeah. So shout out to the creator of the show, David Jenkins, for uh, creating this uh, absolute cinematic masterpiece for our TV screens. So because <laughs> it's, it's you know it's such a it's such a weird show because it was billed as this like workplace comedy. And that's what it's kind of started as, right? If you watch season one, if you haven't watched season one, uh, please do so. But it was like, oh, it's this this quirky work-based comedy about pirates and a person who wants to be a pirate. And then he meets a famous pirate. And then they do, you know, then shenanigans ensue. And it's like, it is so beyond that. And uh it kind of irks me now uh, when people talk about the show, like reviewers or whatever, and they're like, oh, it's this quirky workplace comedy that you're in. And it's like, no, it really isn't. And I don't think it ever really was because it is so there are so many themes in the show that go just beyond what you think a quirky work based comedy would do. And I think that also turned off a lot of people, too, because they're like, I was expecting a lot of comedy and just like a bunch of silly stuff. But it's like, no, you have all the themes that are so inclusive and so important to such a large number of people. Um, you have acceptance, you have found family, you have, you know, all the things that we look for in our show. Sometimes we have characters that we can identify with and yeah, it's a special show. And yes, I have seen it about seven times already. <laughs> I knew it. We had we had yeah. actually intended this to be kind of um, a sort of watch along of sorts. Yeah. But but at the pace of the show was coming out and at the pace of some of our things in our life, uh, we find ourselves instead at the end. Um, yeah. So I kind of kind of just want to want to back us up. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and and let's bridge the gap between <laughs> season one and season two so season one as a summary you have a pirate uh name famous name from pirate history sort of steed bonnet and steed bonnet is just setting out on his pirate journey and and as you said ren that that's where it initially in presents itself and gets that billing of being a workplace comedy, right? The first time we meet Steed, he is just trying to do things a different way, that he he's that boss that you think you like, but also kind of gets on your nerves a little bit because they have ultra positivity <laughs> right. in the workplace, you know, and you're like, gosh, dang it. On the one hand, I super appreciate that. But on the other hand, like, can we just all just do our jobs? <laughs> right, know? right. Because, but... 
you know, ultimately Steed wins over his crew to small degrees um, mm-hmm. because they do realize that they appreciate being seen and being heard and that their various skills are valued, even if they aren't necessarily the best at being pirates, right? Right. They all sign up for this gig. They all want to be pirates. But none of them really know how to be a great pirate. And through the course of season one, Steed, as you mentioned, ends up meeting one of the most famous pirates of, of history and legend, um, Ed Teach, a.k.a. Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. And... Blackbeard is kind of having a midlife work crisis. <laughs> and and so these two actually are able to reinvigorate each other and teach each other things. And that I I think teaching each other new things is one of the one of the biggest common messages in in every episode, right? Mm-hmm. That it's just because I'm a certain way today doesn't mean that I can't learn to be better tomorrow. Right. And one of the things that took everyone by surprise with the show is, which you alluded to with acceptance, is not only acceptance of who someone is and who they want to be, but also there's a lot of LGBTQ acceptance Mm -hmm. uh, within this show as well and portrayal. And so... Ed and 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 Steed, Blackbeard and Steed, end up actually falling in love with each other because they are at a place in their lives where they do complement each other and nothing else matters, right? And it's not a show that really um, shames any type of relationship or any presentation of self either. So we get to the end of season one. They have a misunderstanding that <laughs> results in um, some backsliding for Blackbeard and Blackbeard's crew, who also was really coming to enjoy this new approach to pirating and just to outlook on life in general. So we were left hanging for like almost a year. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was <laughs> uh, such like, a long time. Yeah. I would definitely say this is much more rom-com than it is... Um, like rom-com drama right than it is workplace comedy yeah right? absolutely like once they brought in blackbeard the whole vibe shifted like completely yeah so then we get to that's the end of season one that we're mm-hmm. left wondering what really is the state of everyone because it's written and and acted so incredibly that you're really rooting for these two characters to come back together yeah. And season two picks up without missing a beat exactly from the last <laughs> shot of season one. Yeah. So if you want to take us into season two, kind sure. of what were you most surprised about its return? That it returned. Um, okay. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I was, you know, because it took so long. I mean... It took so long for them to to announce it that I was coming back and they waited until Pride Month to do it, which, yeah. oh, oh, you guys over at HBO waiting until Pride Month to let us know when it was coming back. Um, which, if I if I can jump in there, yeah. kind of awkward 
because they didn't do anything around Pride Month with this show last year because the show actually aired last spring. Mm -hmm. And we were waiting for Pride Month last year to get any announcements that the show was even renewed for a second season. And that didn't come through until late summer, uh, any confirmation that there was a second season. So it is a little funny to me that all of a sudden now they're leaning into it Mm -hmm. for marketing purposes when that was really heavily glossed over uh, in the initial conversations. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's how I found the show. It's not because of like heavy marketing coming from HBO. That's not how I found it. I found it because I think I was going through a Taika Waititi uh, thing as I tend to hyperfixate on certain actors. And I had already watched What We Do in the Shadows. I saw the movie and I was watching the show and I was like, oh, I wonder what else he's done. And then I saw Max that the show was had just aired in in its entirety and i was like oh this seems interesting i like pirates and clicked on it but it wasn't because of any like marketing or any ads that i saw about the show there was no real word of mouth happening really and then all of a sudden it just picked up and it was crazy and now it's my entire life um but moving on so (laughs) i digress So season one, right? So at the end of season one, and we're just going to spoil everything because at this point, whatever, (laughs) whatever, I'm just going to spoil it. This is a spoiler zone. Um, So at the end of season one, right, we realize that uh, Blackbeard, that Ed is in love with Steed. Of course, Steed is married and he has two kids and he left his life of wealth and comfort to become a pirate because he wanted something more with his life. Um, And his wife didn't want any part of it at all. So he set sail on his own on a boat that he made without his wife's permission (laughs) to go live this adventurous life that he thought was going to be super easy, but it was not. But anyway, he meets Blackbeard, they fall in love and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but Steed panics because he's like, what in the world is this ha- is happening? Because he's never felt true love before and he was confused by the feeling that he had. So he leaves Blackbeard, he strand- marooned, him. Ma- marooned yeah. him and went back to his wife and it's like a whole thing and you're just like devastated. And that's, Steed realizes that he's in love with Blackbeard and it's wonderful and he fakes his death and it's awesome and then he goes on his little dinghy and he goes sailing into the ocean to go look for ed and that is how season one ends and you're just like oh my god just find him already and then we have to wait a year and a half a year and some until they find each other again so that's where season two picks up where steed has found the rest of his crew uh from the revenge and they're back at the Republic of Pirates and they're trying to make up, a, or they're trying to earn enough money to buy a ship so that they can go and find Ed. Um, <clears throat> because Steed has given up all of his wealth. He gave it all to his ex-wife and to his children and he peaced out. So he is now on a mission to collect as much money as possible so he can find a boat so he can go and find Ed. So it's just, and that's how season two starts. And it's amazing because you kind of get a glimpse of 
how bad they have it at this point because Ed has taken off. He took the revenge for himself. He took some of the crew that was on it before and he's made this new crew of like emo babies and it's amazing um, because of how much pain he actually feels. So that's where we start off. We start off with a with a very hopeful steed um, trying to find Ed and you find uh, Ed being so distraught and heartbroken and sad that he just doubles down on this path of destruction because that is the he feels like that is the only thing he has going for him that he lost the love of his life and he might as well just be uh the most extreme version of blackbeard that he could possibly be yeah that's where we start <laughs> this episode also does something interesting with another pirate name from history in that it introduces us to I think if you're really into pirates, you know, uh, for me, when I, I remember learning about this uh, in like high school or college, being super into um, feminism and still am, but like all things women, like where where men tread, women, women were present also. <laughs> right. And this episode also introduces one of the most famous pirates of history um, she just happens to be from the East. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't often come up in a lot of documentaries or movies about pirates because they're all very focused on the Atlantic pirates. Mm -hmm. um, but it introduces Zheng Yixiao, who was really a pirate queen in China, mm -hmm. uh, just at a much, much later period, well after the golden age of piracy in the Atlantic. And and I thought that was that was kind of cool, kind of out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, but it was it was it was a nice little nod to like, hey, there there were incredible people. I mean, we use the word incredible very loosely here because they are pirates. Right. <laughs> but, but people doing um, really astounding deeds uh, across the globe. That that piracy is not just a man's thing, and it was not just uh, limited to a whole bunch of Scots and right. uh, and Englishmen fighting each other and sinking a whole bunch of you know British Navy boats. Yeah. Um, so that that is the first episode. The first episode, I think, doesn't introduce anyone new except for uh, Zhang. Yeah. Which is fascinating. I mean, it's such a good choice. I mean, they could have picked anybody. They could have put, they could have brought back Hornigoat if they really wanted to, or any of the other big name male pirates. But they decided to go. Uh, like I think she was like a hundred, like fifty years, something like that. She she was way after, like way after, way yeah. after their time, and she is pretty much the most successful pirate. Mm -hmm. um she actually retired yeah like she got to she got to <laughs> live her life and do what she wanted to do and she was very successful at it like she retired and she like opened up like a business or something and she just did her thing yeah um yeah. and so that was such a good choice to bring her in 
and kind of her backstory as well. It's, it's just such a good choice. I was very, I was very pleasantly pleased with that. So, um, but yeah, that, I mean, that first episode was such a strong episode after being off, you know, off for a whole year and they just start immediately with, <laughs> with that sword fight, uh, you know, Steed's, Steed's dream of uh, f- going one-on-one with Izzy hands while looking mm, for mm-hmm. Ed. And he mm-hmm. looks all like heroic and masculine. He's got like a beard and an earring and he's just like so dashing and he's just looking for Ed. <laughs> he's fighting and he's fighting Izzy and it's just yeah like once he realized that he was in love with with ed he just like doubled down on that like a hundred two hundred percent where he's just having these amazing fantasy dreams about finding about finding ed and he's writing him letters he's writing him letters letters he's writing him (laughs) love letters every day and putting them like message in a bottle and like chucking bottles into the ocean hoping that one of them will find ed that was adorable that was amazing that was amazing what makes this season interesting in a way is that there was a lot more will they won't they mm-hmm. of this season of between ed and steed than there was in season one yeah. in season one there's no concern at all like oh they're just going to be together because yeah. It it was definitely that period of infatuation in a relationship where everything's great, everyone's perfect all the time, and um, everyone wants to change, and they're kind of being the best version of themselves 100% of the time, yeah. which is exhausting and unsustainable, right? <laughs> and, by, and by the time we get to the end of the first season – with it being all the miscommunications that this season is fully will they, won't they? Yeah. But this season also introduced a number of other relationships as well that Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite prepared for. I don't know that I necessarily needed them. Um, So, so many pairings within this show, because for me, selfishly the heart of the show is ed and steed right so i don't i don't really need all the other stuff but it's nice to see how they all end up by the end of of this season right um but and i guess i can see how they fit into a grander theme in a way of everyone is searching for something bigger than themselves right whether that's in a partnership or whether that's a new dream or a new goal um, whereas Ed and Steed, they have the realization, um, skipping everything, but, yeah. but that they, that they too realize that they want something bigger than who they were. Right. right. And, um, and so I can see how all of that fits in and that you do need to give Blackbeard and Steed some time to breathe mm-hmm. in between all these episodes, but I almost didn't need them. Uh, I mean, I, I like them. I mean, I like that they existed, but they didn't like over they, you know, it was, it was a nice part of the whole story. And, you know, when they mm. bring, bring in Archie, you know, Archie is a new character that they brought in as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And she is a female pirate, uh, you know, a, another female pirate that 
that we have now who is a permanent part of the revenge crew um, of Blackbeard's revenge crew. Um, and so her and Jim, spoiler, because it is what it is, her and Jim become a couple. But I like that. I kind of liked it because it also kind of gave way to this really interesting kind of polyamorous relationship between Alu and Jim and Archie. There was no jealousy and there was no, you know, they weren't competing against you. They weren't competing for affections for Jim, right? Because Jim always had affection for Alu and Jim now has affection for Archie. And I like how they just all just came together just completely accepting the fact that they were that everyone loved each other um and Alu and Archie you know whatever was going on between them obviously wasn't as strong as as Jim's relationship with either one of them but they were just so accepting of each other like there was no conflict there and I thought that that was actually kind of nice I liked the three of them together it was uh it was really awesome just to kind of see that but yeah, and then of course Lucius and Black Pete, which is the healthiest relationship uh, on the show. <laughs> it really is. They are the what healthiest. What did you think of Lucius though? Well, they become the healthiest. Right. What did you think of Lucius being introduced with such a dark turn? Yeah. I mean, he was always just kind of bitchy, mm-hmm. right? And then and then just took such a turn for um, two or three episodes of of this season before Black Pete pulls him out. You yeah. Know? Well, helps pull him out because really Luci- only Lucius is responsible for his feelings. Right. Yeah, that that was that was definitely interesting. I. I felt really bad for Lucius. I was really mad at Ed for a while for doing that to precious little Lucius and throwing him off the boat. And he had to go through so much trauma to get where he was. But I think, of course, part of that is just showcasing how strong the relationship between him and Black Pete was because Pete was able to pull him out of that incredibly dark place of just obsessing over what, you know, Blackbeard did to him. I mean, he was drawing pictures of him, you know, he was drawing dogs with, with heads of Blackbeard. You know, he, he was really in this space of, you know, of just remembering all the things that, that he had to go through in order to survive um, and to eventually wind up on Zhang's ship, the red flag. Um, and, you know, and Pete brought him out of it. And, he, and, you know, what he said was, you know, all I hear is talk about everything that happened to you, but you, ne- you never talk about how you survived all of that. Um, yeah, he says, all I hear about is how you almost died. Yeah. I don't yeah, hear about how, how you lived. lived. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it's exactly that. And, you know, and it's, I think, the things that happened to Lucius paved way for some very good conversations about moving on and seeing what's in front of you. 
like he was so obsessed with what Blackbeard did to him that even Izzy had to like pull him out of that too because Izzy had his own trauma uh dealt to him by by Blackbeard right he loses his leg um and he goes through an entire journey and of course we'll talk more about Izzy later but you know, and he's just like, oh, no, a shark got me, you know, but that's how he copes and that's how he moves on. But Lucius is unable to move on. He can't move on from all the things that happened to him until Pete is finally like, you need to talk about how you lived and how you survived this. And you're not you don't see me in front of you. The one person who absolutely loves you. All you're doing is just focusing on the past but here I am standing in front of you and I'm here to listen to everything that happened to you. And I'm here to provide comfort if necessary. And it isn't until Lucius finally sees that, that they do of course become like the absolute best couple. Um, but I think all of that happened in Lucius though. We could, so those conversations could happen. Um, and they were really good conversations. They were really good pieces of advice given to him by both Izzy and by both Pete, because it is true. I mean, we all have our, we all have our traumas. We really do. And some of us have a very hard time moving past a lot of these things, but it is trying very hard to come to the realization that, you know, shitty things happen to us, but we're still here and we're still standing and we still have people in our lives that are willing, that are here for us uh, to talk to and to listen to us or to be whatever it is that we need them to be in that moment to help us get through, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling or thinking. Um, so I thought that was, you know, awful that it happened to Lucius, but appreciative of the of just those two people being there for him um, to help him get through that. Especially how Izzy comes back into their lives is that Lucius's new crew that he's sailing with, Jeng's crew on the red flag, they come across a tattered revenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the, um, it, it, the sails are beaten, the, the, the mascots off you know and and so they they go across the revenge a steed convinces Zhang to bring the revenge crew aboard thinking that blackbeard's among them but there's no sign of blackbeard and this and immediately it sends lucius into a spiral because blackbeard's unknown whereabouts is 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 what unsettles him Mm -hmm. but as we discover the crew of the revenge actually committed mutiny yep. against Blackbeard because they were tired of um, being abused. Mm-hmm. So they were rebelling against the toxicity of, of that uh, working environment and just general relationship. Yeah. And Izzy having been rebuffed and also by Blackbeard, but also not admitting his feelings uh, his, his own feelings about Blackbeard for years of them working together. Mm-hmm. But then going along with the mutiny 
that ends with Blackbeard in basically near death, right? And it's only because of Izzy's intervention that Blackbeard isn't completely killed off, thrown overboard and left to die. Right. Because Izzy is trying to deal with his own trauma and his own feelings. And so for him to come forward to Lucius, you're right, it's hugely powerful for Lucius to realize, like, dang, your own feelings and your relationship with Blackbeard is so fucked up. Yeah. And yet you're able to just move on. That's right. Knowing that this man cut off your leg and has done nothing but treat you like trash your whole time that you guys have known each other. Like, oh, I guess perspective is everything. (laughs) You know? This guy fed you your toes and you're all right. (laughs) And you're moving on. And you're moving on. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, it like I, I do appreciate that story. Because and then of course we you know, Ed doing his best to, you know, gain favor again and kind of repent for everything that he did, allowing Lucius to push him off the boat, is was very funny. Um, but you could and tell- Lucius admitting that it didn't really it didn't really yeah much it better. didn't help yeah, him. He just- it- yeah, he's like, um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, like he thought that that was going to help him if he did the same thing to him, but he realized that no, that's not, that's not it. And then you know is able to to move on and to see what's in front of him and to see everything that he has and to know that he's actually in a really good place. If we're going to put things into perspective, he's in mm-hmm. the best place. He mm-hmm. has people who love him. He survived. Um, yeah, so that I did. Yeah, I was like, where are we going with Lucius here? What is happening to him? Because he is stressed and he's chain smoking and he's just in a real bad place. And it's like, how in the world are they going to get us get him out of there? Uh, get him out of that space. And they did. They did. And it was and it was great. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the end of that episode when the crew discovers actually auntie from from the red flag crew mm-hmm. f- discovers blackbeard right and so we we see that blackbeard's near death and then the next episode i believe it was the next episode where we're introduced to this concept of purgatory that they call the gravy the the gravy basket right gravy boat the In, gravy basket. yeah <laughs> yeah the gravy basket and we and in the gravy basket, Ed meets Hornigold. Mm-hmm. We we only know that he's not in the in the current world of the living because of the color grading on the yeah. episode, right? right. It's like okay, there's there is something weird going on. We're not really sure what it is. Is it afterlife? Is it memories? Is what is it? Right, right. right. And um, so he meets Hornigold who then proceeds to save his life, but then reveals that this is purgatory. Yeah. And Ed is in purgatory because he has choices to make mm-hmm. uh, with regards to, do I live? Do I die? But I can't just go on living the way I was. Right. 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 Things have to change. Right. That episode ends with... Ed having a vision of Steed. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that vision. Let's talk about all of that. And then we'll get to the vision. 
Because okay. that's my favorite. It's my favorite part of the whole season because I love it so much. I love it so much. I love Steed so much. My goodness. Um, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, they kind of allude to the fact that, you know, they try and misdirect us, right? Because Izzy says, oh, no, we left them stranded on a on a beach and we're going to let nature take its course. And that's before Auntie discovers Ed's body in one of the secret rooms on the revenge. Um, so part of me was like, oh, is he actually, is this actually Hornigold? And it isn't until... I, I just want to say, I actually thought that they were bold enough because of so many other directions the show has gone. Right. I really had serious concerns that Blackbeard was dead. Yeah. I, I really did. Right. Because of, of every new step that was taken in season one. Yeah. Was, everything was so completely unexpected. The way things um, developed, the way things were ended in season one, that I truly thought given the amount of time between one and two and all the other things going on, I was like, holy crap, they really killed this guy off. <laughs> and I would not have been the least surprised in hindsight. Right, right, right. <laughs> I would have been super shocked in the moment of right. like, oh my God, he's actually dead. Like, what the heck? Show's over, you know? Right. But but in hindsight, I really, I would really have been like, yeah, I knew it. You know, yeah. because just because it would have been so unexpected. Right. Um, because the the way that it's played when you see Blackbeard laying there and then I'm sorry, as you were getting ready yeah, yeah. to say that then we we see Blackbeard pulled to shore. Right. Right. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It It's such a. It's such an... Actually, it's the other way around. We see Blackbeard pulled ashore before we discover his body. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and we're like, oh, okay, so he is ashore, and oh, that must be Hornigold. That's crazy. Um, I started having my doubts when they started uh, role-playing Jeff's in by the sea. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was amazing, because, of course, in Purgatory, Ed is still striving to have normalcy in his life. He's still aiming for something normal. You know, in the first season, it was Blackbeard's Bar and Grill and delicacies and delights and fishing equipment. Um, and this time around, it's Jeff's Inn by the Sea. Uh, of course, bringing back Jeff the Accountant. Jeff the Accountant now owns yeah. an Inn by the Sea. <laughs> Uh, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, it's it like that whole thing where he's trying to be like, you know, <clears throat> the desk clerk at his inn and Hornigal is like being all surly. And he's like, why you got to be like that? Why you got to be like that? It was just the best. Um, but it then opens up, you know, into a much deeper conversation, which is really there was a lot of deep conversations happening in the second season um, of, you know, of how Blackbeard truly views himself. He views himself as this unlovable monster. Um, you know, he as the unlovable Kraken, if you will. And Hornigold is a figment of his subconscious giving him a choice between life or death 
and you know and blackbeard thinking that there's no you know he has them you know what are the pros and cons of living right and so ed gives his pros for a living which could not disagree with that list it was a solid list mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know his con was is that no one is waiting he didn't think that anybody was waiting for him because he thought he was unlovable because steed left him the one person he thought might actually truly love him back ends up abandoning him so therefore he thinks you know it just proved his whatever self-fulfilling prophecy that he has about himself that he isn't capable of being loved and to actually have that happen to him only furthers that belief that he is unlovable um but you know it it uh things happen that changes his mind and what uh what happens that makes him change his mind jade (laughs) so steed after they find the body of blackbeard steed is sitting next to blackbeard realizes that blackbeard's not uh quite all dead yet And is is talking to him and calling to him and saying, you know, I'm here, Ed, I'm here. Come back to me, Ed. And uh, Ed in purgatory has chucked himself off a cliff with a, a rope tied to him and a and a and a boulder off the cliff because he's prepared to just give in. Yeah. Um, but he hears Ed. And Ed manifests in purgatory as the most wonderful merman. <laughs> the most wonderful merman. It is amazing. It's amazing. What really gets me in that whole sequence is the lighthouse light that he sees first before he sees uh, Steed swimming towards him in that most amazing merman outfit. My God. It's so good. I think for me, what I got most out of that scene was that when Ed hears Steed before he can see Steed, Mm -hmm. Ed is actively trying to save himself. Yeah. In that moment. And I think that's that's tremendous foreshadowing for Ed's overall um, growth. He he has trouble undoing the knots that he's tied around himself uh, attached to this boulder but when he hears Steed he realizes that he wants to live that he wants to save himself and he whether that is his initial reaction is just to be with Steed and as you say like be confident in being loved Mm -hmm. right um, though it's pretty rocky for them when when Ed first recovers and and they and they are trying to navigate that. But that really stood out to me that he didn't wait for Steed to pull him up. Right. He was working to be with Steed in that moment um, before Steed does pull him up yeah. in his vision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that whole sequence is just amazing i mean i know there was a lot of uh discussion on the choice of making steed a merman uh oh there was oh for sure for sure well some people thought it was funny uh they're like well that took me out of this moment but 
me, I was like, no, it absolutely makes sense that he would envision Steed as a merman. Well, because yeah. because the mer people in in this time, uh, they usually showed up to save sailors. Right. 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 And and so it makes sense that it, for Blackbeard that his vision of being saved would be merfolk. Yep. And and that the one that he hears would manifest as a merman while he's in the water. Like to me it just makes logical right. folklore sense. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um and yeah, that's exactly yeah, and that's exactly that. I absolutely agree with that. And uh, it was just kind of interesting, kind of the discourse between like people who are like, well, that why in the world would he be a, mer- a merman? That's kind of funny. And other people going like, no, that makes absolute perfect sense. Because it does. It does. Um, and it, and for that exact reason, of course, the person who views himself as the Kraken, as the as the monster of the sea. Mm-hmm. Would of course be saved by essentially the angels of the sea, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. Like that makes absolute perfect sense. And the fact that they actually got Reese into that mermaid outfit, and that was not see none of that was CGI. Oh, it wasn't. No, that was oh, all okay. practical effects. So they they put him the costume designer. Um, Gypsy Taylor actually put him, they made that outfit for him. Um, and they had this huge tank of water and they just dropped him in there. So all of that. Swim- oh, that's neat. Yeah. So all the swimming that he does, that whole entire sequence is him in an actual mermaid outfit. And that is actually uh, Taika in the water, like floating. Um, hmm. So, yeah, that was all practical awesome that's very cool yeah if you see uh if you see some of the back uh behind the scenes stuff you there's pictures of him in the outfit and they're fitting him and they're putting like all of his scales on and it's got like glitter and it's like got like these sequins and his tail is beautiful um but they could only do so many shots with that so they had limited oh, before it all starts to fall. Apart. Yeah, yeah. So limited, limited shots. And he was trained uh, by one of the, by the stunt coordinator on how to like swim with a fin. Um, so, but he did that all on his own because apparently he has tremendous core strength. Basically synchronized yeah. swimmer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There. Right. Yeah. Like, what is I always forget that uh, the episodes have the behind the the scenes. I always forget. Yeah. I've got to go back and rewatch them. Yeah, yeah. So that one. So when that episode aired, like uh, we started seeing behind the scenes footage of just him in, you know, they were wheelchairing him into the tank of water that they were going to dump him in. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, this is fantastic. Just tip him over. Just, for for him, it was probably a dream come true because, of course, he's super into uh, cryptozoology. And, you know, yeah. of course, of course, he's always wanted to be a merman and just living his dream, living his best life that Reese Darby is, living his best life. Um, but, yeah, that whole sequence was just amazing with the music and the swimming. The music was tremendous. Yeah, it was very well scored. Yeah, and just 
the pleading and my God, that was just, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I was a wreck. It was amazing. So then the comedy kind of sets in right? because Ed is, is awakened. He is rescued. They share a tender moment in Purgatory Ocean. Mm-hmm. And when Ed wakes up, he headbutts <laughs> and that And the episode ends. <laughs> well, actually, and, the, and, I, and I think the headbutt oh, happens. The headbutt happens in the next episode. Oh, okay. Because the scene ends. because oh, he just opens his eyes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He opens his eyes in the, la- in the last frame is them holding, like him holding on to Steed's hand. Uh, but of course, things can't last all dramatic forever. So yeah. So the next one starts with the headbutt. With the headbutt, which is amazing. Yes. Which is definitely signaling we have things to work through. <laughs> we can't just go back to being this lovey-dovey couple that we were before because we're different mm-hmm. um, and we're different because of what we've done to each other and and what we've done to ourselves during that time mm-hmm. as well um, and so so they go on they have um, some interesting growing adventures which we don't have to go into too much but though we do get um, the lovely mini driver introduced yeah. in in a very special role that tries to talk about what a mature relationship looks like. And on the one hand, it's like, uh, kind of about keeping the mystery alive. But on the other hand, it was like, this is also kind of toxic. Like, like, can we just go back to Lucius and Black Pete for, for our healthy relationship moments? Yeah. The, Um, uh, the Anne Bonnie, Mary Reed relationship uh, together was, uh, not the best example of how of how mature people handle their relationships. Uh, but I really enjoyed that episode too. That was such a great episode because Steed got to tell Blackbeard everything that he's been wanting to tell him. Yeah. Since he started looking for him. And I thought that was very lovely. But yeah, that was an interesting episode because you know, Buttons says what Buttons does and turns into a seagull. So, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> well, and and Which I think, great. and not that I, uh, Blackbeard, I don't think Blackbeard was necessarily ready right. to hear everything that Steed had um, to say, but that doesn't mean that he still wasn't listening. He right. just wasn't ready to accept. But as a result of them having the framing of this dysfunctional relationship in front of them Mm -hmm. and Blackbeard realizing that's not who I want to be and where I want to go. They actually come to a very healthy realization of like, you know what? Things were so good that we went so fast without really allowing ourselves to be who we really want to be in that moment and really explore that of who we are independently, right? And and how we come together uh, to grow into one tree as two trees, right? Right. And um, and so so they make this decision to kind of slow things down and and like, oh, we're gonna pretend to do this in a very adult and mature way. Right. Um, and I think with buttons, that episode showing ending a little bit with buttons turning into the seagull, I think is just to reinforce that we can have dreams Mm -hmm. and that 
our dreams can come true. Sorry, I know we're not we're not trying to go too deep into a lot of themes <laughs> in this episode, but I feel like that's really the journey and that's what really inspires Blackbeard to double down mm-hmm. on improving himself. Hey, I can be Jeff the accountant. Right. I can have retirement right. because I have love. I just have to learn to live with that love Mm -hmm. and reconcile the things that I want to do within that space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, and that's exactly it. And, you know, the, the big theme is change, right? It's change in Mm -hmm. his dreams and buttons having the dream of becoming a bird so that he could more appropriately serve the ocean um, you know, Blackbeard's like, you know, we can't change and then immediately sees that, in fact, you can and you yeah. can, you too can be a majestic. And you single. can change into what you want, yeah. not just not just what others want you yeah, to be, exactly. right? not what others say is right or possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Blackbeard says to him, that's not possible. You can't do that. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And Buttons is goes around a tree yeah. and then it becomes a bird becomes that Blackbeard is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Anything is possible, as, you know, yeah. so long as I'm willing to do put in the work. Exactly. Right? Buttons had to put in the work yep. of understanding his journey, knowing what he needed for his journey. Mm-hmm. And then once he got it, putting in the work of following through yeah. on that. Right. And that's and that's really, I think, Blackbeard. I don't think he quite got it all at once, but that just just knowing like, oh, dang, I can achieve a dream. Yep. Yeah. And it was amazing. Gosh, that was a good one. That whole ending was great. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really, I really enjoyed that whole everything that they were saying to each other. But buttons in the end coming in with that really good example of how you can change if you put in the work. Right? It's mm-hmm. just like you can't get any more clearer than that. Can't get any more clearer because uh, he turned into a bird. Oh, buttons, so good. But yeah, I mean, but that leads into the next episode where, you know, you do have Ed doing his best to make amends with everyone. I think that overall, so Ed and Steed, they have their ups and downs, as do um, several other characters and couples in this in this show, uh, in this season. Yeah. And, and while ultimately Ed and Steed uh, do end up together, and I think that they did a really good job with the season, I think the thing that I needed even less was this whole extra B, C, D plot, like a D plot of what's his name, Admiral, suddenly blowing up all of the pirate ships. Oh, Prince Ricky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that like everyone has so much growth. Right. Everyone has such interesting change. And the couple times we see this guy, I actually am like, who was he again? Right. Oh, yeah. What? Why do we care? I guess. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I he he was an interesting. He was an interesting character for sure because you only see him in what like two three episodes and that's I it. think it's like yeah just three and uh, 
you know, he ends up being kind of the big bad curse because you always have to have you always have to have some sort of adversary, right? Whether it's Ned Lowe um, with the violin and the torture or it's, yeah, yeah. you know, Prince Ricky trying to bring down piracy um, because all of that just serves as catalyst for deep, meaningful conversations and realizations between our main characters, right? Like without Ricky blowing up all those ships, Ed doesn't realize how ready and in love he is with Steve. Like he knew it, but he panicked and he leaves. And it's like this whole thing of really, dude, you just, you. Oh, I was so mad. Yeah. I was so mad about that, that they finally decide like how they want to, they set the rules of engagement for their relationship to put it on reset and then, like, in an episode and a half, Blackbeard's like, oh, I got to go. Yeah. I'm going to go be a fisherman. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it's the, and, you know, and, and Steve calls him out. He's like, you're panicking. He's like, I'm not panicking. It's like, no, my guy, you're 100% panicking because this is the most real thing that you have ever had in your entire life. And you're letting your self-doubt and your self-hatred dictate how your life should be led and you're now walling yourself up again to the idea that somebody could possibly love you to the point where you have like this magical night together and you know you wanted to take it slow but yet you still you know you still agreed to uh to all of that but you know and he's panicking and he decides to become a fisherman because he caught a fish and he's just like, oh, this is my way out. This is my way out of this pirate life that I no longer want to have. And it gets me into something more normal. But I don't know what to do because my boyfriend is now a famous pirate. And I don't know how to navigate that. Because, yeah. it. So if it wasn't for Prince Ricky blowing up all of those ships, Edward wouldn't have realized that you know yeah you're blackbeard my guy that's and that's okay you can change blackbeard into somebody else you don't have to change your personality entirely and forget who you are and forget where you came from you can be you and you can change some of that for the better you know that poison into positivity right you turn the worst parts of yourself and focus on the positive parts of yourself. He's a tremendous sail, you know, he's a tremendous sailor. He's a tremendous fighter. He, he can love unconditionally. And he finally realizes that he can do those things without being a bloodthirsty killer. Like he can just do those things and defend what he loves instead of, you know, watching the world burn, so to speak. <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought about uh, Prince Ricky's utility <laughs> in that way. I was just like, oh, get, go away. This it's a is, little bit of that, what too. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> but also, if it wasn't for Prince Ricky, we wouldn't have that incredible monologue from Izzy about what piracy is, right? It's about, it's not about ego. It's not about riches it's about belonging to something greater than yourself 
into yeah. finding something bigger than yourself and fighting for it, which is the crew, which is your found family. Like that was beautiful because Izzy throughout all of season two went on this incredible journey of growth. You know, in season one, he was just like this single note, you know, hard ass about things, right? He was just a pirate. And he was the epitome of what you thought a pirate was like this just hardcore douchebag who just <laughs> barked orders and, you know, threatened people. Um, but in season two, he realized that there was more than that, right? He, the, the crew accepted him for who he was. And he finally realized that he had finally found the family that he had been looking for, for so long. He thought that his only family was Ed, which is why he did so many awful and terrible things in the name of Ed, because he only thought that Ed was his only family. So therefore he was just going to be Ed because he needed him um, to be that, that familial anchor, anchor, if you will, or whatever. But he realizes the crew, the entire crew, and they accepted him. They, they, you know, he was their unicorn. And I thought that that was beautiful. And he discovered he let himself be free for once. Um, so if it wasn't for, for Ricky, we wouldn't see that growth that Izzy had too. even though Ricky is the you absolute know, worst. <laughs> the whole time that I was watching season two and every Izzy hands episode, I knew that that was going to be your favorite character from this season. And 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 it was definitely one of my favorite stories from this season mm -hmm. aside from Ed and Steed because we've talked about in um several of our past episodes how we love a redemption arc. Yep. And season 2 is Izzy's redemption. Um arguably more than it is about Ed and Steed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Ed and Steed because it's what we all wanted from season one. Right. But it's really Izzy's story. Yep. A hundred percent. Yep. Like every, every episode was just watching Izzy grow into this uh, amazing person that accepted himself and began to love himself and began to find love in other people and knowing that he just didn't need just Ed um, to be that person for him. Um, I mean, even the episode uh, where they have the, you know, Calypso, Calypso party. Oh, and he sings Edith Piaf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that was Izzy. That was Izzy become coming into his own and being his own person. And, it was amazing. It was amazing. That was a lovely episode for him. And I was so happy about all of that. <laughs> it was so good. It, that, in fact, that entire episode was fantastic. So it was a huge turning point. Yeah. That's, that's, that's his, that's where his character flips over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was great. That's great. All of those. And the fact that him and Steed, you know, just finally, understand each other um and they understand their mutual love for ed um but izzy knows izzy knows 
Blackbeard better than anyone and he knew exactly the type of person that he needed to be or the type of person that he needed in his life to be who he wanted to be and it wasn't going to be him uh so we all have those relationships for sure. right whether they're healthy or, or unhealthy yeah. but that we do have those people that we let into our lives that enable us to change mm -hmm. um not necessarily to change but to allow us to manifest other parts of our personality to achieve what that goal and dream is in that moment. Yeah. Um, and, and it really is, you know, the expression of like that there's uh, a person for every season mm -hmm. or every person has their season or something like that. And that was Izzy and Ed. Yeah. Izzy and Blackbeard. Um, you know, and, and we get that sense very strongly in season one when Ed and Steed um, really first start out on their, journey of a new relationship together mm -hmm. and steed is talking to izzy about blackbeard and he keeps calling him ed in in his, their conversations yep. and izzy just loses it yeah. and he goes his name is fucking blackbeard I, right, right you know and it's not until the midpoint of season two where izzy understands that there is more to this person not understands but um acknowledges yeah. that there is more to Blackbeard than has been allowed to come through for so long, yeah. right? And that Blackbeard is no longer Blackbeard. Blackbeard is Ed. Mm -hmm. uh, and Blackbeard has always just been a small part of Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, character growth, man. I love it. I love the character growth. Everybody had character growth. I think uh, going back to the one with uh, Anne Bonny and, and Mary Reed where uh, Steed uh, admits that they are whim prone, right? He's like, oh, I was a whim and we're whim prone, which is such a big turn for him because in season one, when his wife was like, oh, because you abandoned your family on a whim and he's all like, well, I object to the word whim. And then to, for him to finally admit that that is just a thing he does. That's true. And and acknowledges it and is able to see it, not in just himself, but in other people. And realize that there is some, there's some negative downsides to just kind of, in, you know, engaging in those whims. Um that it can hurt people and it can destroy yes. things. And he realizes that now that, yeah, he, he, he made some mistakes in season one. And uh, even though it's all working out for him now, but yeah, he, he, he did some damage to some people because of his whims. And uh, of course of him not being able to stop himself. So Character growth. I love character growth. So with the journey that season two took us on, mm -hmm. where we ended up, do you need a season three? Yes. I need I need a <laughs> I need six seasons in a movie is what I need. Um of Blackbeard and Steed or because 
Yeah, I. They have a pretty satisfactory ending, in my opinion. They do. They do. Um, and you know, it was written that way, obviously, because they're you know, season three is not guaranteed, and it's still not guaranteed now. Um, even though the reception for season two was so high, and the fan base is as mm-hmm. as feral as ever <laughs> when it comes to comes more so. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh no. There's. There's so many more people now uh, super into the show. And it's still, you know, if you look at the top 10 shows on Max right now, it's been consistently within the top 10 still. And, uh, you know, it's become the flag, one of the flagship shows of of HBO. And the fact that they still haven't uh, committed to a season three is just like, what are y'all waiting for mm-hmm. um, at this point? Uh, but there's still more story to tell. I mean, and I know that David Jenkins has already has the idea of season three in his mind. They wrote the end of season two just in case, right? They gave us a satisfying ending with the two Thank of them. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they're together. They're going to open up the inn. Um, the rest of the crew of their revenge are off sailing to go find uh, Prince Ricky into exact some revenge, you know, and of course everything that happened with Izzy, um, you know, people have to answer for that. Um, yeah. So that that's what I want to see is people answering for what happened to Izzy. Um, but I also want to see how Ed and Steed truly navigate their relationship now it's no more with no distractions right it's no more of a will they won't they it's a how are they going to move forward together um because they're they've gotten through all of the breakups and reunions and breakups and reunions we're we're done with that we've seen it they both had their panics uh they both did their leaving they both did their realization that they are truly and deeply in love with each other. They want to to move forward in their lives together as, uh, you know, as a unified front. Um, so now we, we have to see what that looks like in this new age of, of Steed and Ed. Um, and there's a lot to be told there. I mean, there's still a lot of them figuring each other out. I mean, how are they going to act, you know, if they're opening up and in together? What what does that look like? What does that partnership look like? What kind of challenges are they going to face? And then on the flip side, seeing what the revenge is doing and looking for this jerk hole who, you know, who did what he did to to Zhang's ships, to all of those people, you know, she wants revenge. Spanish Jackie wants revenge. The revenge crew want revenge. So much revenge has to happen. Um, And just see what that looks like. So there's still a lot of story to tell. They wanted it to take it. They wanted it, the story to be told in three seasons. I hope they do. I hope they get their three seasons. Um, I didn't realize that, that there was a goal. Yeah, the goal, the goal was three seasons, um, which, you know, we're, we just made it through the middle part 
right? There's still kind of thing unanswered questions that need to be answered. <laughs> There's still some uh, some things that need to some tidying up that needs to happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, I need I need a third season, and then I need a spinoff show, and then uh, if not, I'll just keep reading fanfic for the rest of my life, <laughs> which is also fine. What was a moment that surprised you the most about this season? Uh, it would probably be Izzy's death was probably, but now that I think about it, so it was surprising because he went through so much growth, uh, throughout the entire season. He was kind of set up to die. He he was, he absolutely (laughs) was. I just didn't realize that they were going to give him so much growth before they did it. Yeah. Like I didn't think, I thought he was just going to be the same surly jerk hole oh no because of all his growth is why he was set up to die yeah yeah i i didn't think they were going to spend so much time giving him the growth that he got i was surprised that he became my favorite character of season two um you know i liked him in season one he was fine like he was great like con o'neill is great just great in general um but they really made me care for him in in season two. Uh, but no, narratively and story wise, of course, he had to. Of course, there is a lot of people who will not agree with that. And I totally that is a totally valid feeling. But in his in his last talk with Ed, it all made absolute perfect sense. Um did I think he really deserved to die? No, absolutely not. No, I think no. you could have continued on with Izzy um, in some form or fashion. Uh, he could have still had that same conversation with Ed about how he fed his darkness um, and that now Ed is surrounded by family who loves him and that he can just, he is now free to just be Ed. And the whole thing of, there he is and that parallel to season one was just like so much emotion that messed me up it definitely could have been a speech that izzy gave it could have definitely could have been a speech that izzy gave when um crew zhang and the remaining crew of the revenge sail off and that could have been izzy's izzy's departure speech right because ed would have struggled with being separated from izzy regardless of izzy living or dying right and and it's like well izzy why can't you stay and help us because we're gonna need a bouncer at the end right right and then and then izzy be like well ed because you have your life right and i'm going to live my life yeah you know and and these are the reasons why yeah um i i agree i think uh i think that's one of those where i was like it was most surprising in the moment, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> of of the show. I think for me, the most surprised moment I had was when Blackbeard left. Mm. When yeah. when when Blackbeard left to go find himself and then he got kicked off the fishing island. Right, right. You know, that when he left to go find himself, I was like, Are you serious right now, show? Like, what is this? <laughs> um 
that for me was the most surprising. Yeah. Because it just felt the most like whimsical. Yeah. It felt like the most nonsensical whimsy yep. that Blackbeard could do. That it was like, in this moment, what are you doing? You right. know, like you, yes, you are panicking and pull your shit together. Yeah. I expected him to instead go deeper into piracy yeah. again, yeah. you know, and, and like lean hard on the mythology of Blackbeard that he had created for himself yeah. well that he and Izzy had created in order to stay caught up with Steed. And I thought instead the blow up would be much more about jealousy of what Blackbeard had mm-hmm. um, compared to what Steed is having today instead of Blackbeard just being like, fuck it, I'm going to go fish. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like- yeah. Yeah. That one, I was like, of course he's panicking. Of course he's going to leave. Um but then again, that's always been his M.O. since the very start. He's always wanted to leave piracy. He's all yeah, he's that's he's true. always wanted to leave. He's I mean, he for I mean, obviously, first off, he wanted to burn off Steve's face and assume his identity and become a wealthy landowner. But um, <laughs> that that was his first motive. But, you know, he's always wanted to leave. He's always been done but someone had always pulled him back in and that was always Izzy. Izzy knew or Steve. Yeah. Even Steve in season yeah. 1 was Blackbeard's reason for staying involved as a right, pirate. Right, right. But the darker side of piracy was Izzy. The more yeah. fun, lighthearted, oh, it's so cool to be a pirate. Uh ver- Let's go crash a French party. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> was always Steed, right? Cuz he he renewed his it's not like he absolutely hated being a pirate. There was something obviously in that that he he liked doing, that he loved doing, and Steve brought that out in him, right? He brought out the positive aspects of being a pirate, the innovation, right, of them pretending to be a lighthouse um, to escape the Spanish, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It just kind mm-hmm. of being out in the ocean and sailing with your crew, Right. Those were the positive aspects that Steve brought out in Ed about being a pirate. But Izzy brought out all the darkness about being the pirate. Right. The raiding, Mm -hmm. the maiming of people, the, you know, the the nine gun holding Blackbeard that Mm -hmm. everyone thought him as this monster, um, this terror of the Yeah. The terror of the high seas. That's what Izzy always wanted. But Ed always just wanted out. He just wanted to be himself instead of being this personification that pe- that all these expectations that people continuously placed on him. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't super surprise me that he was just like, oh, here's my out. I'm going to be a fisherman. I caught a fish once. It means I have a skill. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to be a fisherman. Uh, peace out. You don't realize my dream. I gotta go. Um, it was only like realizing part of the seagull yeah, journey, right, right? Yeah, of Button Seagull journey. Like, oh, well, if Buttons can turn into a bird because he willed it and he worked for yeah. it, and I caught a fish <laughs> today, the first fish of my life. Right. Obviously, I can follow through on being yeah. a fisherman. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, wait. <laughs> One fish does not a fisherman. Yeah. Make. <laughs> yeah. That they're, you're like, 
you were close. You were so close. Uh, you probably could have, you probably should have caught like 25 more fish, maybe, um, to realize that fisherman dream. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that one, that was also, that was also pretty shocking too. But um, before I lose my thought on Izzy's death, I, I get it for a cup. He marked the end of a few things with his death. He marked the end of Blackbeard, essentially. Yeah. And he marked the end of piracy because and brutal well and brutality, brutality yeah. and and piracy for the most part right because he yeah. was the epitome of piracy he was he had that brutality and that cruelty and that skill and all of that stuff but and i and i you know he was his death was symbolic of the death of those two things and i could see why it had to happen that way still not a fan Still not a fan, but <laughs> what gives me hope, a strange sort of hope for, for the next season is that David Jenkins has said, you know, for what is worth, for what, for what it's worth, there is no continuation of the show without Izzy hands in it, um, is what he said, uh, wow. after, okay. after Izzy's death, after that episode, um, he, Yeah. So he he acknowledges that Izzy was a very popular character and that he is still very much needed. What that means come season three, uh, should we should we be blessed with a season three? Who knows? Could be, you know, but anything is possible. Maybe so Izzy hands becomes Blackbeard's uh, Jedi ghost. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if buttons can become a seagull, uh Anything can happen on this show because clearly magic exists <laughs> in this place. Historically accurate magic exists on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's a that's a good place to to sign off on on the show. Uh, Ren, now that the season two is done. And uh, other than your eighth rewatch of of season two, what else are you uh, looking forward to? Uh, well, I still have to watch Loki season two. I still have to finish Ahsoka season one. I still have to finish uh, Reservation Dogs. I have a list. Uh, like those are the the ones I I still need to watch. But they all come after the eighth rewatch. After the eighth rewatch, <laughs> which I'm almost done with. So maybe after my ninth rewatch, because I ended up okay. going back to season one and uh, yeah. rewatching it all continuously. It's such it's so great when you just watch it continuously. It's fantastic. I've thought I've I've thought about that. I've been meaning to, but we only just recently finished season two in the Discord. Yeah, so yeah. It I needed I needed to reflect on it first. Yeah, it it I I would definitely recommend watching it. Probably when when Steve meets Blackbeard and then moving on, because then you start picking up on all of the parallels between season one and season two, because wow season two's got a lot of parallels yeah. um but yeah it was it was uh it was good 
It was good. It was good watching the end of season one going right into season two. That was so satisfying. <laughs> that was so great. Um, but yeah. So I think I hear that you recommend, continue to recommend this show. Yeah. 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 Ask me again in a couple. Because magic historically exists. Magic historically exists. Uh, what about you? What are you watching? I think next for me is also Loki season two because that one kind of passed me by because I was all in on our flag means death pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, Loki, what? Yeah, so exciting, so exciting. I could talk about this show forever, um, but I'm glad that there's a time limit. <laughs> so glad there's a time limit. Um, but no, it's it's very exciting to talk about this show, and uh, it's a good it's show, a great show, and I love it. And I've got my depression robe behind me. It's exciting stuff. Awesome talking with you about this show. Well, look forward. We'll do it again, and it won't be so long until the next That's one. Right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, you can stay caught up with us, uh, Two Nerdy Birds. I think we're still doing Twitter X. <laughs> sure. We're, yeah, we're still we're still doing that. You can find us there on Twitter at two. That's the number two, Nerdy Birds. Ren. Where are you hanging out these days in between in between work and, and our flag mean stuff? Uh, I am still on Twitter X uh, at uh, what's my thing? Good, good game. Red. Good game. Red. <laughs> yeah. Tells you tells you how long I've been looking at it at good game. Red. I'm also on Tumblr. Uh, if you can find me, I'm going to leave that a mystery. Um, I talk a lot about our flag mean stuff on Tumblr. Which is actually my home right now. Um, I like the engagement. This is what Tumblr is good for. Oh, for Tumblr sure. does micro communities really oh, well. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm in the Art Flag Meets Death micro community and the Gotham one and the Supernatural one. And that is where I live right now. Because uh, it's so great. If, you, if you're super into a fandom, Reddit is fine. But Tumblr is just fun. It's just this little hole in the wall. It's awesome. <laughs> well, we'll see you guys all soon. Make sure that you um, are, you know, add us to your podcast subscriptions and check us out on YouTube yeah. where we're gonna be starting to host some of our episodes out there. So you can, uh, if podcasts aren't your thing, but you prefer to consume them through youtube make sure that you follow uh i guess well i keep saying follow but subscribe on youtube and that way you'll get the notifications when there are new episodes so we're everywhere we're everywhere <laughs> the birdhouse is growing that's right we're even on tiktok whenever we decide to use it <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's gonna be it for this episode. Uh, we we'll, we will catch up with everyone again soon. Yep. 
Bye. Bye.